Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, They also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering dash innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And this week, hardware season is in full swing. Not only do we have iPhone 13 reviews, and we have some stuff on the new iPads, Microsoft held their big event, and they released like eight products, uh, most of which are actually really interesting. Uh, there are some that aren't, and we'll talk about <laughs> all that. So, yeah, join us as we dive into the fall gadget season. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. You can also drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. We typically record a live stream around 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursday, so you can join us for that on the Engadget YouTube channel. We do some Q&A during that, too, so that's always a fun time. Check us out. So, Sherlyn, let's let's talk about one of my favorite times of the year, which is not actually iPhone season. It is when... Microsoft tries really, really hard to make us care about what they're doing because everybody loves iPhones. Everybody loves what Apple's doing. Microsoft has to try harder, and I always find that interesting. This week, they showed off the rest of their, basically their new Surface line. We have a Duo 2. We have a sense of what Microsoft is doing, and I think overall it's all pretty interesting, Uh, but you were there doing hands-on mm-hmm. coverage of these things. What is you know your first impression of this entire new product line? We've got the Duo 2, the Pro 8, the Laptop Studio, and uh, you know a bunch of other stuff that's less important. Yeah, I was coming off of f- having the first of my iPhone reviews go up that morning. So I think that it was uh, <laughs> just really hard to kind of focus on, on one really thing. Yeah. yeah, it is. And and to your point too, when you say that like, yeah, maybe Microsoft has to try really hard. Um, the Surface event usually is in October, right? And they've moved it up this year to September, so that didn't help. But um, I feel like people do get excited about Surfaces. There is a, there is quite I, a... I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I, I guess we run in very, very different circles. Um, but anyway, when I got there and, and when I was, you know, kind of uh, looking at all the materials we got uh, before I got there, just to make sense of what I want to glom onto first, right? I think the first thing I was like, okay, Duo 2, I have to check that out, right? And then... It's your baby, yeah. Yeah, it is It is the thing that, I I mean, I reviewed last year. In addition, it's also like the most interesting product that, that you know, just on the surface, that's <laughs> surface, that Microsoft uh, makes. And uh, however, when I got there, you know, I think the laptop studio was like, the more I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, yeah. this is very interesting. That one's actually unique. It's very new for them, yeah. 
Yeah. And so what it is is though, I don't know if uh, this was made clear in the press materials or the keynote, but the, the Surface Studio, the Surface Studio, the Laptop Studio is uh, going to replace the Laptop Book. The laptop yes. book, Surface Book. Yeah. Where they, they said this is the, the book evolved, basically. There was yeah. a line like that during the presentation. Yeah. Which basically where we've complained a lot on this show about how the Surface Book's design really was holding it back. And now yep. Google, Microsoft has found a way <laughs> To, to, to try to like mitigate that. It's decided to not make it detachable anymore. It's got this pull forward screen that's a uh, easel style. You can have it sit in front of the keyboard closer to you. You can flip it all the way around to face out. You can bring it all the way down to be a tablet. Um, and uh, in person, my I love I mean I liked it. It was really, really sharp. It's unique. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. We've seen a lot of um Laptops like this before, not to not to say that like Microsoft is the first to do this, right? Like Acer has been doing this in its Easel branded laptops for a long time. It's HP. it's different though, yeah. So yeah, the the thing it reminded me the most of is the HP Folio, mm-hmm. that leather HP tablet. Uh, I've seen people comment on my story too, saying like Simpsoni BIOS were doing this mm. even like more than five years ago. The idea just to visualize it, uh, normally it looks like a normal tablet, but you could pull the screen laptop, forward you mean? and yeah, it kind okay. of like yeah. Um, you pull the screen forward and it kind of like goes over the keyboard. So you can almost like place it right in front of the keyboard for like presentations and stuff. If you pull it all the way forward, it goes down at an angle. So it becomes uh, basically like an easel. So you could do some like really good pen action with that. It's not, they're not really selling it as a big tablet as they did with the Surface Book, which I think is good because to refresh the, uh, the problem with the Surface Book was that all the hardware was behind the screen. So when I reviewed the Surface Book 3 last year, I was like, oh, this is a really nice piece of hardware. They, they, you know, the the GPU, the dedicated GPU, which is in the keyboard base, is getting better and better. But the core CPU behind that thing was surprisingly slow and underpowered because it had to be behind a very thin screen. And Microsoft just couldn't design around that. Like that was a that was an impending roadblock that would happen from when they started the Surface Book Three. And I think looking back at it now, that thing is so crazy over engineered. It has that crazy hinge where it's like even even just like closing that thing is a problem, right? Because the Surface Book creates this loop and things can fall through it and it doesn't fit flat in the bag. It's just like it is a mess. It is like it almost feels like design, uh product design run amok. Uh, because I, I've talked to some Surface Book owners. Most people returned that thing because it was really tough to work with. Um, I don't know anybody who owns one and kept it who actually uses it as a detachable tablet or even you know flips the screen around. Like It's too much trouble. This thing is just like, okay, it's it's a notebook, and when you feel like it, you pull the screen forward and you pull it down. That's it. Like There's no detaching. There's no waiting for your operating system to be ready to dock with your external display. There's none of that stuff. Um, so it's a lot simpler in that respect. And, uh, again, though, let's talk about the design of this thing because it looks weird. Not only is the screen weird, the, um, the like base of it is weird because there's a little lip thing. There's a little lip. It looks like, it looks like two tablets stacked (laughs) together. Basically it is like a a smaller one on top of a bigger one. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how comfortable that is going to be like on your lap. If you're actually using this thing. It is also weird, like, just looking at the hardware. Um, once again, it maxes out with a quad-core chip. It's Intel's 11th Gen H-Series 35-watt CPU, so a faster chip, but not, like, the fast H-Series that are in gaming laptops. And that is a surprising thing. Like, that's a limitation that 
most other bigger ultra portables like the 15 inches out there don't have it all. So again, a weird I, thing to see Microsoft do. Yeah. I, I will say that this design from what I, mm-hmm. my guess would be is that like they wanted to have a place to accommodate the new pen and we can talk about the pen in a little bit, but sure, it, sure. It, it, they mm-hmm. wanted, I think not only just a place to accommodate the pen, but to have it sit flush. Uh, the pen attaches to this laptop studio with uh, magnets and it just kind of slides into that little slot underneath yeah. and then the pen will right lay below flush the screen. right yeah. exactly below mm-hmm. the keyboard actually and then and then it will lay uh-huh. flush with um uh the rest of the base which is the protru- protruding part that we're talking about where there's like two laptops uh two tablets stuck together right so i i feel like that's part of the reason that this this the style and the design that microsoft adopted the other i think i i see some vents along the way so i don't know if like it made sense thermally for them to do this um but it's, it's weird yeah. It's, yeah, they could have like, done the yeah. pen thing and still have a more powerful processor. Like I'm looking, we were looking at the XPS 13 last year that had a six core CPU, you know, like we're, we're looking at the light laptops that are fitting in like razor blades with the eight core super powerful Intel chips. And it's like, what are you doing, Microsoft? You're If this is the most powerful surface ever and I can go get a razor blade that has an eight core CPU that is marginally heavier. Like I think another thing they did is they limited themselves to making this thing four pounds as, uh, at the maximum. Mm. So it has a 14.4 inch screen. Um, the base model is like 3.8 pounds, I believe. And the like highest end model is a straight four pounds. So Again, so I, I will say when I was there, like I didn't really lift it up to use on my lap a lot, so I didn't really think about that using on your lap format, right? And and I I'm sure that with the thing with the design issue that you mentioned up, it, it would definitely feel a little wobbly or or uncomfortable on on your lap on your person, and I yeah definitely kind of. I don't know how heavy it was already. I I tend to think of the book as kind of a heftier machine anyway. So the studio well, as a replacement, yeah. probably it should be okay if it was somewhat heavy. Well, I'm I'm saying I don't. They shouldn't have limited themselves right, to four pounds right, because right. that that's what it looks like. Whereas competitors like the Razer Blade go up to like four and a half at this point, or at least mm. almost four and a half. If you're buying a powerhouse notebook, I think you've resigned yourself to being like, okay, this is going to be a little heavier than you know a MacBook Air, yeah. and that's fine because I'm getting all the power I need. That's not necessarily the case with the Surface Studio with the Surface Laptop Studio. Yes, <laughs> uh, which is weird because if somebody wants a thin and light surface they've got options they've got the new pro 8 they've got the surface laptop which is still around and we'll probably get some like chip refreshes soon um there are other options out there i feel like they they could have like gone a little harder on the power here another thing i'll mention is that um the screen of the laptop studio is really interesting because it is a 120 hertz display Mm -hmm. that is tech We've only seen on gaming laptops. We haven't seen this on productivity machines yet. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's the future. Like we've talked about this when it comes to phones and it's on the new uh, iPhone Pro. High refresh rates look smoother. It's it's, yeah. That's it. Like it's objectively a better looking, smoother looking experience. So we so 120 hertz. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can get back to this because I think I feel like 120 hertz is going to keep coming up uh, throughout yes. this episode. Yes. Yeah. But uh, the the thing to your point, Devendra, you, you sent me a very good question to ask the people at the store uh, when 
uh, at a store, at the event when I was checking at out the, the, yeah. the laptop studio. And uh, this doesn't do adaptive refresh rates either. It's not adjusting on its own to see, hey, if you're scrolling, we'll bump it up. Hey, if you're you know inking and, and drawing, uh, we'll bump it up and then drop it back down to a more battery efficient level. Uh, otherwise, this is just constantly at 120 hertz unless you turn it to 60 hertz yourself like when you know you're at the airport you know and you want more juice if you, you have to be smart thing. enough to go into your window settings and yeah. it's not even like an immediate thing right you have to right click on your desktop go to display settings go to more display settings go down to the little drop box find the little hertz and <laughs> check it there so it's like a three level in menu option i think and they say in all the marketing it's gonna be 60 hertz by default so i think this is almost like 4K TVs. A lot of people are going to buy this and not even know they have this power. So the 60 hertz default, I don't know necessarily where you saw it. What the person, the product manager it's in all at the, the event. the written stuff. Yeah, yeah, what the product manager told me at the event and what I've written in my hands on. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Is that like a, um, the 60 hertz default is for the Surface Pro 8, which also has 120 hertz capability, but out of the box, it comes at 60 hertz. Whereas according to this product manager I spoke to, the studio comes out of the box with 120 hertz um, at, as the default. So we'll, we'll have to check with Microsoft just to make sure they're yeah. also on the same page. You know what I mean? Um, just because There he told should be me an the, easier way to change that. I, right. I think that's the ultimate that's true. thing. Like a yeah. quick button, maybe, or or just adaptive. Give us an adaptive option. Um, I think, mm, yeah, I think they're in a weird place because one of the new interesting things coming to Windows 11 is adaptive sync. So it's like if you have a higher hertz display, the OS just does it. Like if you're scrolling, it's like okay, boom, higher refresh rate. If you're just staring at an article, lowers it to say battery life. Like you shouldn't have to think about it. That's how more modern machines and smartphones, I think, are doing it smartphones too. Smartphones mostly. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, we're going to need to see more of that. But it's pretty cool that this has 120 hertz. It's also a Dolby Vision HDR screen, which, again, we've seen that on some computers, but we haven't seen Dolby Vision plus high refresh rate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is going to be a beautiful looking screen. It did, and it did look um, really, yeah. really good. So I'll tell you what I managed to do at my hands-on, uh, and we can use this to kind of a segue into talking about the no new Slim Pen 2. Uh, I am no artist. I will admit I have no drawing skills whatsoever. But I was able to work on a watercolor um, piece that was already done sort of halfway through about uh, with some purple petals and flowers. And like the watercolor effect on that screen, holy crap. It felt like I was, I mean, okay, you, you, this is where 120 hertz refresh rates shine, where like the second I kind of just dipped the, the, the pen onto the screen, it really felt like water was just dissipating out of the nib. It felt like things were flowing, like I was truly drawing like on water and paper. I don't want to be too hyperbolic here. I, I, you know, haven't compared this watercolor experience with another device. So maybe I'm just blown away by apps. <laughs> I was using yeah. Adobe it, it, Fresco to be clear. <laughs> yeah. It's a combination of a bunch of things, too, because they're talking about that high refresh rate, which is, again, it's going to be on the Pro 8, and we'll yep. get to that. Um, not only scrolling, but writing, yes. drawing on the screen will make it seem more organic. It'll yes. feel more realistic. And the Slim Pen 2, which we're kind of hinting at, yes. is also cool because it's slimmer than before, and it has haptic feedback. Uh, so you kind of get yes. that, that resistance and that feeling of putting pen to paper and pencil to paper <laughs> or something, which is... Okay, that, that's, I was, I, I'm down with that. Yeah, I was so weirded out by this pen when I first started using it on this laptop uh -huh. studio because I was like, it's supposed to mimic pen and paper, but then like it sort of felt like a weird draggy thing. Like it felt mm. like it dragged and wasn't mm -hmm. this. I don't know if I was just having the nib at too sharp of an angle to the screen. Yeah. 
Um, and the haptic feedback is cool. If only when like like every time I I pushed it onto the screen and and the water, like I said, the paint would you know dissipate out. There was this slight vibration, like but oh, it doesn't. Cool. Real pens don't vibrate when you. <laughs> Like a real paintbrush doesn't vibrate when you're doing watercolor. It doesn't vibrate, really... but you you feel something. You feel resistance, right. and maybe they have to fine tune that. They do um, have to fine tune. Yeah. You can adjust. The I really, I mean, I turned this. I really like off. the idea mm-hmm. of the slim pen too. Like it looks cool. It is one hundred thirty dollars, so that's <laughs> extra. And now you're into the surface world where all the really cool accessories are extra. Um, so you know there there is that. There's a lot of stuff we're going to be keeping an eye on. Anything else you want to mention about the Surface Studio while we're at it? I, I yeah. One last note is that the screen is ridiculously mm-hmm. thin. It's very thin, and uh, it, it was easy to maneuver, but maybe a bit too easy. Like at some point, it was a little wobbly. Um, on with the screen mm-hmm. on its on its frame sort of hinged. So we'll see. We'll see gotcha. in person how it does. I mean, not in person, but when we were you know using it in the real world. So the Surface Laptop Studio is also going to start at sixteen hundred dollars, which puts it like in the price range of powerful fifteen-inch computers. Uh, still much less than the the MacBook Pro sixteen-inch, which has ninth-gen Intel CPUs and still starts at like twenty-four hundred dollars. So they gotta they gotta update that bad boy. Um, as much as I like that computer, let's move on to the Surface Pro eight, which I think it is the like. It is the quintessential Surface. This is the one with the kickstand. This is the one with the keyboard accessory. It is a tablet yeah. that transforms into a PC with all this stuff. And I think it is a, a nice shift forward um, design-wise. Like I, This is the biggest Surface redesign since the, uh, the, Surface, uh, the Surface Pro 3. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to count the Pro X. We'll talk about that separately. But it mm-hmm. did bring in some design elements from the Pro X, right? It has thinner bezels along the sides, uh, the top and the bottom of the screen, Still a little chunky, but the sides look a lot better. The screen is bigger. It's 13 inches, and it also supports 120 hertz Dolby Vision, just like Mm -hmm. the uh, laptop studio. So that is really interesting to have a tablet that has all that great screen tech. It's very iPad Pro-like, so I kind of see what Microsoft is aiming at here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also finally has Thunderbolt displays, which the, uh, the laptop studio has as well. So Thunderbolt's ports so before last year not last year two years ago when you reviewed the pro 7 trillion it had USB-C. you could charge over USB-C, but you couldn't plug in thunderbolt devices because it just didn't have the technology this is the first time microsoft is finally embracing it which means you can plug in really fast hard drives you could plug in multiple 4k monitors um yeah up to two and also external <laughs> gpus yeah up to two which yeah. is yeah that, two. okay that's pretty cool from Fair, a single i, tiny I only device. have two eyes i'm good yeah <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, also supports external GPUs. So if anybody has those things, I do feel like the dream of external GPUs has died, but it's still a thing that exists and is out there. So if you have an enclosure and you want like some real power, you could plug into this. Um, it looks like a nice surface. I didn't. How did it feel to you compared to the Pro Seven? I when I uh, picked it up, I was expecting it to be to feel a lot like the Pro X, the Snapdragon arm, well, the ARM-based Pro X, and uh, it it was actually though surprisingly heavier to the point where I was like questioning myself. I was like, wait, why is yeah, this yeah. so much heavier? Is it, it is heavier? Is it it yeah. is heavier than the Pro Seven was. Yeah. Um, specifically, I think because it it has to you know accommodate 
like battery and, and, and you know, the required mm-hmm. the power necessary to keep the Intel cards running. And then its ventilation system is built differently from the uh, Pro mm-hmm. X, which was the ARM based one that I'm talking about. Is, is the size of it like the size of it, There's more glass, too. I think that's the biggest that's thing. Po- the screen is bigger. Probably, yeah. There's more glass. So, yeah. yeah. I, I So I was able to put a Surface 7 Plus and a Surface Pro 8. Uh, sorry. Sur- yeah. Next to each other. And like you, you can see the screen is bigger. The, the size of it is not that much different. Um, just again, shaving bezels will do that for you. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it look the it doesn't feel huge, and it really feels very sleek. And then the vent, like the vents it's along the edges, are 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 different from the Pro X as well. So the and the the kickstand was also like super extra thin, right? But like in the same way that the Pro X had a thin kickstand, I think this is still very sturdy. It's it's all down to the performance now, really, and and that's something. That requires testing. I think the ultimate thing looking at this and looking at the specs, it does seem like um, that I think this is a Surface Pro that can really go toe to toe with like an actual ultra portable laptop. Whereas before they had like 12.4 inch screens, they were a little smaller, they were a little limited in terms of what you were getting. Would you get an XPS 13 or a Surface Pro 7? The vast majority of people would just get an XPS 13, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, this I'm sorry. This has a 13 inch screen, it has everything. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just thinking, I, I, when you said XPS 13, this reminded me, when, when we were talking about the Studio 2, I had the same thought. I, when I get a laptop, just use it in laptop mode. Um, but for something like the Surface Pro uh, 8, you know, it's 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 something more purpose-built for, like, on the go. I feel like this is, that's my, like, airport machine if, if I, you know deemed it something extra or I had the had the means to get something extra. Um that that's what I would take with me when I'm traveling. But a, a laptop like this the laptop studio is less less for me. You know what I mean? Like if it's I don't need my desktop substitute <laughs> thing to to, to, to do that. It would be nice, sure, to have the screen mm-hmm. come forward and watch TV and TV. Watch videos if, and play games on. Imagine working on the plane and how annoying working on the plane is. I'm not going to take the studio on the, tray, on the plane, though, because it's so heavy. Why not? It's, it's heavy. four pounds. Four pounds. The Pro 8. Tell me how much the Pro 8 if weighs. Could, if you could take a... The Pro 8 weighs uh, exactly two pounds on its own. Half the, but the half keyboard. The the keyboard usually adds like another full pound. So it's going to be like pound? two... It's going to be almost three pounds. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's it. So the thing is, and the reason I think it's a better machine for more people is just because that screen is finally 13 inches. It finally has Thunderbolt. It does everything what you'd want a 13-inch Ultra Portable to do. So it's at least a good option. Maybe, like here, the Surface was never meant for everybody. Um, I do think for your workflow, Sherlyn, like given when we were traveling, when we were moving around, being able to be more flexible and have something that's more than just a laptop um, or something that could be simplified to being all screen would actually be really useful. Uh, but hey, it's hard to visualize that when we're all still pretty much stuck at home and not traveling too much. Um, so all in all, I think the uh, the Surface Pro 8 looks really cool. Um, it is a nice update. Like it yeah. is the update I've wanted for a very long time, has slightly better cameras. The keyboard is still separate. So even though it starts at $1,100, yeah. Expect yeah. to spend another 100 to 150 depending on the type of keyboard. There is a charging keyboard, too, um, the Pro type cover. It's the signature. Uh, but that is yeah. the signature. That is the most expensive. And you have to buy that cover, and you have to spend another $150 for the pen. Yep. All extra costs because that's how Microsoft works with the y'all. surface line. Yep. 
Um, before yep. I know, there's a lot more uh, from the surface event. I did want to highlight two more things, but yeah, we talked about yeah. the Duo yeah. Two. Yeah, the Duo Two is so interesting as just a device and as a concept. It's funny to me that they're already on the second generation of the Duo, but the Neo is still sure. nowhere to be seen, right? <laughs> they said so, and we we've, we've talked about this with people. They said like we're not working on the Neo anymore. Yeah. Like they've they said like it's paused. So I don't know what that means. If we'll see it next year, Ever, if we'll see yeah. it eventually, or right. Maybe what they need to do is like keep designing and just release what would be the second version of the yeah. Neo. Because looking at the Duo 2 now, y- well, this looks a lot better so, than last yeah. year's film. Uh-huh. <laughs> the main differences here, right, are uh, first of all, I think this is the biggest difference is that like now it's got a triple rear camera system. Um, as like in the past, it only had one, I believe 10 or 11 megapixel camera on board. And you're, you were supposed to use that as both your front and rear camera. Yeah. It was and above the display. It yeah. was not On great. the inside, yeah. it was on the inside, it was above the display. And the main issue with this is that like Microsoft thought its software would be smart. Well, it thought it's software and Android software, right? Would be smart enough to know like which side of the camera or which side of the screen it would need to turn on based on how you were holding and using the device or the camera. And that was, I think, the cause of all the, the issues it was having with the camera software. It was just really buggy, never knew which camera to have out. So this time around, it's got both like front and rear cameras, except for this bump holy mackerel like what the <laughs> hell it's about as thick as the phone it's it's like, a big bump it's a big bump yeah is this okay so you know how we have a scale on this show this yeah. is a chunky bump this is the chunkiest bump <laughs> especially compared to I the, could, I, if you stuff this into like a pair of jeans i could see that bump keeping it's gonna get jammed in like that mm-hmm. little like metal dot that's on all our jean pockets oh, for Lord, some reason yeah it's going to be a mess. Yeah. So so that that also uh, makes it so that you can't really just flip the um, the two screens all the way around so that they're all facing outwards. You can still do that, but then you can't have it lay flat and flush against each other, which is like a, uh, I guess, a minor annoyance to some people. But B, it just removes from me completely any credibility this thing had as a phone. Um, to use a camera too, you, you can also no longer do it like that way where you can flip it all the way around to have it like as a as a um phone sized camera thing sure. uh you have to have the rear camera unobstructed right so you can't open it more than 180 degrees because otherwise you start seeing the back of the other screen and then you, so you basically have to have that the two is- screens open they need to give you a basically like the way the iPhone can let you take a photo right from the lock screen like they need to give you a way yeah to just like take photos without even opening it, so yeah, good but luck. There, there's a lot of had, usability yeah. they didn't think about. That's here. why. That's why without an external display, this is one of the challenges. This is why the Fold Three and and stuff like that, like they have an external display. But again, I I I, I don't ever want to see anyone take a photo with the Duo Two out in the wild, holding it up like a tablet, because I will feel very bad for you that you drop fifteen hundred dollars on this device only to look like you're taking photos with an iPad Listen, Mini. People. People love to take photos with their tablets. Come on. Uh, a couple other good things. This one has a modern processor, finally. The Snapdragon 888 has, um, I think, uh, the camera, like, it's having multiple cameras is just going to be the big thing. It also has, like, this little notification bar yep. for when it's closed, which is very Samsung. That's very Galaxy Edge, but it is a cool thing to see, like, underneath the hinge there. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't show it to me at the event, so I completely didn't. They, they kept telling me, they were like, oh, so we like made the inside edge of the screen curve a little bit more. It's more beveled. I was like, oh, cool. 
cool, mm-hmm. I guess. What's nice, the point? Nice. But then now, yeah. and then, and then they were like, "Oh, this is a notifications glance bar or whatever." So based on the videos I saw, I didn't see this, and I didn't get to see this in person because, like, it, they didn't tell me about it. Um, but it, it basically is a very, very teeny tiny sliver of screen that peeks out from the between the two yeah. screens under the hinge, and like a page, like the the one line of screen you get in an old yeah. pager, like an LED. Oh like, okay. yeah. Even Alert, even shorter than something. that even yeah mm-hmm. but um but yeah it, it will flash colors sure to show you something's going on when you have the screens of when the device closed but it'll also like show some icons right i don't know how useful mm-hmm. the icon thing part of it is going to be uh i can't my eyesight's really really not that great uh I don't, I don't know it looks like um like the cylon imagery from Battlestar galactica which i like i grew up watching night rider so give me give me my LEDs in a single line that move back and forth. Uh, that's when it you know, like when the cool. when the machine takeover begins, all your surface <laughs> duo twos will just start flashing red. So you get ready for that. Um, yes, all yes. in all, though, I think this is a better one. Um, I could see people buying this one. It is expensive, starting at fifteen hundred bucks. But most most like crazy high level phones now, the iPhone the iPhone Pro uh, Pro Max is going to get you closer there too. If you want the a foldable of some kind, this is basically. A foldable without actual screens at fold. So it is still nice in that respect. Yeah, I I, I, I am cautiously, I, I'm going to cautiously like be saying that you're, I don't think people are going to buy this still because like I need to see what the software is like first because that yep. was the biggest yep. issue with the original, you know, like a lot of the supposed functions for a multi-screen device like this just didn't work very well. You should you should um, talk to Jess. You should talk to our Jessica. I know Convict, I have. I uh, have. Shirlin, I have. <laughs> because we were talking about this uh, on the post stream, and Jess y'all. is really into getting she, the duo too. Yeah, we had a little chat after. I was like, "Girl, calm down." No, <laughs> calm down. Like, calm down. Relax. Yeah. Okay. Let's. So we're gonna have to move on to iPhone stuff soon, but let's quickly round out because I think the rest of the stuff is just kind of uh, hilarious almost. So they didn't update the Pro X mm-hmm. at all. The mm-hmm. Pro X, which was like two years ago. Was even three? No, it was two years ago. That was like the design-forward surface, the one built on ARM, thinner bezels, thinner like overall case. Um, it is still using the SQ2 processor they developed last year that was thrown into it, and there is now a cheaper model, which is nice. It starts at eight ninety nine, but n- nothing else is different. I think we're all waiting to see how Windows eleven will kind of work on this thing because the idea is that. Um, it will have built-in software emulation for x64. So it can run any Windows app. Technically, we'll see the original Surface Pro X did not do that, and it was a nightmare to use because of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there, are, there yeah. is a... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm just moving on. I'm moving down the line. There's also a new Go 3, which is their, you know, cheap boy, the cheap small boy, and I think it's going to replace, like, the base Surface line. It starts at 400 bucks uh, with, like, you know, an underpowered CPU. Again, keyboard is separate, so that's another $100. But for kids or for people who don't need, like, a giant tablet... Um, it's not a bad. It's not a bad deal. Like a four to five hundred dollar PC that also turns into a tablet that can be used with a kickstand that has a lot of good tech. Um, I've I've always liked the Surface line, the Surface Go line, the Go Two that I reviewed last year was really solid. So I imagine it's just going to be more and more of the good stuff. Um, they also announced the Surface Adaptive Kit, which is a really cool thing where for people who you know disabled users who have basically uh, want help finding particular keys or finding particular ports. Like these are translucent stickers, transparent stickers that could be put on there to help you figure out the keys. 
there are port recognition um, stickers and cable ties that can mm -hmm. be color coordinated to help you figure it out. There are ways to open up the surface, uh, things that give you more leverage, like a ring that you can pull yep. um, or like a pull tab to pull out the surface kickstand. I think that's all super cool and it's a big step towards usability and i know you like you care a lot about this Sherlyn. yeah I, I i definitely wanted to give time to kind of recognize that uh microsoft did announce this it's not the like they're not the first obviously to make like stickers to turn any laptop more in touch friendly especially for visually impaired people who want to feel out the keyboard and don't really you know feel enough with the existing nibs on keyboards the little nubs that are already there and then also like i i just want to say because we've interviewed microsoft's chief accessibility officer jenny lay flurry a couple of times now it feels like because they have someone who at the helm who's like herself very thoughtful about these things this is why microsoft is is sort of leading the way a little bit with things like this the adaptive kit and the adaptive uh xbox adaptive controller um so i i am glad that a company as big as microsoft is giving accessibility the attention it deserves and hopefully and apple mm -hmm. too in some ways but hopefully more companies make a bigger effort like this that's that's all yeah, i gotta microsoft say is a whole <laughs> division focused on accessibility and usability um for all sorts of users so mm -hmm. i think that's not something we see at most companies. We don't know the price of this thing yet. I hope it is cheap. I hope it's like 20 yeah, it bucks to, yeah. at the most because it has to be price accessible as yep. well as everything else. So please don't make this $50 Microsoft um, because we're, we're already paying way too much for those Surface keyboards. Yeah. All right, Microsoft's done. Let's move on <laughs> to all of our Apple stuff. And to help us chat about it is our commerce editor, Valentina Palladino. Hello, Valentina. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? Hello. You sound excited. Already, I am excited. You, you, I am. you reviewed the iPad mini. You're as pumped as Sherlyn is about yeah, uh, this review hell. Super pumped. Oh, we're living God. in. Poor Valentina. First, she 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 stepped up and helped out with the iPad mini because, uh, I mean, there's just so much stuff going on. Valentina is also at the same stuff. time reviewing the Fitbit Charge 5 for us, um, which, yes, she's going to do a really great job testing that out. I'm, I'm so grateful I don't have to wear that goddamn thing to sleep. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You'd be it's, surprised. It's, not, it's, it's not small. That bad. It looks good, but the thing I don't, yeah. don't want to wear anything to be. <laughs> anyway, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. So, so iPhone and iPad reviews are all up. Basically, ours. Uh, my my Pro reviews are coming very soon. Our iPad Nine reviews also coming very soon. We just needed time. We have you know people need to take breaks. Um, but yes, I started out with the iPhone 13 and 13 Mini. And Valentina, I don't know how you feel about... You're an iPhone user, I, I, yes. I think. Yes, yes, I am. So you're on a fairly recent iPhone as well. So for me, the question going into the review was, is this a worthwhile upgrade? And if so, for who? Like for an iPhone 12 person or an iPhone 11 person? I also wanted to make sure I compared it fairly to existing devices in Android. Um, so that's a lot to get into in one review, but... Uh, I tried. Hopefully, hopefully that comes across. I think you did a great job. I think you did a great job. Yeah, I promise I sure. wasn't fishing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so, so what would your like vel from from a point of view of person who's like been using the iPhone like a recent iPhone? What would your most like important question be about the iPhone 13 and 13 Mini? Well, I guess I mean as like you said, as someone who does use an iPhone, yeah. and I have an iPhone 10R, so I am a little mm. bit, you know, I have a, I, I'm like due due for an update, I guess, yeah. or like yeah. what people might think is due for an update, um, yeah. but it's only I think three years old at this point, um, in December when I got it, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean that's my biggest question would be like, should is this enough of an update? 
yeah, to warrant yeah. me spending possibly what eight hundred dollars or more. Yeah. Um. And which one is the best one to go with versus um the regular thirteen series or the pro series? Yeah. I know we haven't gotten into a pro review just yet. Um. But yeah, I mean that that's from my perspective because that me as a real world user, yep, I was yep. considering updating and getting a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um. And I have my thoughts on that. But yeah, that's that's the question I would pose to you is like for someone like me who is running on an older iPhone. Yes. Older. Yes. Older. Um, <laughs> is it worth the update? I I feel like the 10R, and I think Devendra is in a similar spot because you've mm-hmm. been considering getting one with for your wife. Uh, the iPhone 13. I already got so I got the 12 for my wife last year. Oh, and okay. She's good. And okay, there's so no you don't need you don't feel like okay. Basically. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. For for people who are coming off of something as recent as the 12, you don't need the upgrade no. probably unless you're like really you really must have cinematic mode. This is. One of the newest things, it's based, mm-hmm. it's contingent on the A15 processor. So like older cameras can't just get it through an, a software update. So like, okay, I, I I don't think your wife is going to be like cinematically taking videos of your daughter anytime soon, Dev. She, she's not, I mean, we take a lot of videos, <laughs> but know. she she probably doesn't need that. I think the conversation is different for pro users, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. we'll get there. I, I, I definitely feel like people, mm-hmm. Valentina, my advice to you would be to get the 13 Pro, but I will tell you why later. Um, yes, yes. But, and I think we all agree in, on this one. So, so as, Six ninety nine, the mini um, is still kind of hard to recommend anyone buy, just because the battery life is still shorter than every other smartphone out there. Part mostly but better because than before. Better that's than nice. before, yes. But mostly mm-hmm. because it's so small. Like any device this small that's like got modern components, it's not going to last long enough. It's just that's kind of the way we are. Um, but the regular iPhone thirteen uh, that's a bit bigger. Uh, sorry, that has bigger cameras than before. It has yeah, slight bumps in photography. You you have a smaller notch, which like L O L no. It's still there. It's still there. And it's pretty huge. Um, iOS 15 things you can get on basically any phone. As a jump from the 10R, Valentina, if you're trying to maybe save the 200 bucks difference from the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro, um, like it's still a good upgrade because it feels fresh and new. And it's got the dual cameras because the 10R only has the one. Um, and it's got decent battery life. But here's why. And I think that we we... We don't need to spend too much time on the on the 13 and 13 mini. You can go read my review. It's already up. Exhaustively covered everything. The reason we all should be getting the Pro if we're considering upgrading this year is the 120Hz refresh rate. There's no... That's green, baby. That's yeah. green. Like, I swear to God, I, I am at the point now where like, I'm so grateful I've moved on to the <laughs> iPhone 13 Pro reviews because I don't need to use that <laughs> shitty ass 60Hz screen. <laughs> wow. You know, like a... Like a yeah, like a commoner. No 60Hz for you. But this is, this is what I'm telling everybody. Like, you look at a high refresh rate screen, you're like... Oh, my life is different now. There is mm. before I saw this screen, and then there's after I saw this screen, <laughs> and I need these screens. So, yes, I, yeah. I think I will. A lot of people will agree with you, Shirley. Val- Valentina, let me pose this question to you: How much of your of your phone time do you think is spent scrolling? Let me just. Oh, too much. Too much. Right. Every week, every week when I get that notification, that screen time notification of how many hours I've spent on my phone this week, I just like I fall, I like crumple Uh, into this like little I feel so I feel terrible about all the time that I'm like just scrolling mindlessly. Um, So in that case, I guess screen time is working because it's guilting me um, (laughs) to stop doing that. But yeah, I mean, the 
the scrolling on a yes. screen that's better, like on the on the pros, is just I, I've experienced it with the iPhone. I mean, with the iPad Pros. So like, I totally understand yes. that bringing that into your life in a in a smaller form, kind of smaller, yeah. um, with the iPhones, uh, would definitely be an upgrade for sure. So so when I was thinking about, I didn't want. So I know that this is a new feature for people in Apple world, right? So that's why I was like, look, I can already imagine people going like, "What's the big deal?" But one twenty, I don't know well, why that's the voice I chose. If if they have iPad pros or if they see any of that sure, stuff. Yeah, that's the one right. area where apple has like really gone hard on screen. Yeah, yeah yeah might be so i meant like apple phone mm-hmm. world iphone world right yep. um mm-hmm. for those of us in the android phone world we've we've had this for years we know what high refresh rates look like so so but i just don't wanna... act like every android phone not had every that, come on <laughs> but even the it's, only, it's only ones now have, even the, the mid-range ones, ones now have yeah. them. Yes. Yeah. They've been around. They've been around to the point where we've got, <laughs> like, been around. on cheaper phones, we've even got 90 hertz screens. You know what I mean? Like, better than, mm-hmm. not 120, but better than 60. Anyway, I, I wanted to make it clear why it's so important. So I think I spent a bunch of my review, which I filed yeah. and we're just going to put up tomorrow, um, explaining how much of my life is just scrolling. Just think about it. I'm scrolling. Whether it's social feeds like Twitter or whatever, or your email, or when you're writing, or you're looking at your conversation history to be like, what did this bitch say about me? Or like, you know, it's just all, all of you your want smooth, smooth, like angry text <laughs> yeah. scrolling. Uh, also, like, so I don't important. know, I don't, I don't know if any games fully support this yet too. But I can imagine like some of the like yes. faster paced mobile games yes. will end up looking a lot better on that yes. screen too. But that's I, I wouldn't get it for games. I get it for the scrolling and that's yes. the other thing too. Like yes. if you're if you want to be doing less doom scrolling in your life maybe you'll want to make it look less pretty so i don't know <laughs> yeah it's a philosophical question yeah in that yep. way uh and and you know if you're doing things that require like uh, a lot of input like 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 the vendor said gaming or even if you draw on your phone with your fingers for some you know at some part it's the 120 hertz screen is going to help make it feel a lot more fluid a lot more natural so anyway i um beating a dead horse here at this point. This 120 hertz screen, big deal. In fact, like af- after I, I'm so torn because like I'm going to upgrade to the 13 as my main, like um, because I have to main two phones nowadays, I've been maining the 12 and I want to main the 13, not the 13 Pro because it's got the pink. I got the pink one. It's so nice. Uh, but this but is disappointing. Screw this is really disappointing that, here. Yeah. It's, you it, get the pro, do the pro, put a pink case on it, and be happy with <laughs> the rest of your point. life. He's got a point. He's got a point. Get yeah. the leather. Is there a pink leather case yet? Those leather cases uh, are really hot. I'll, I'll so. look. The pink I'll is look nice. The pink I is got nice. A, yeah, I got a that, rosy but, one. You know. Yeah. The pink is very pretty. I will say that about the iPhone 13. But anyway, moving on to the rest of the Pro and Pro Max's features. The cameras, I mean, they they seriously upgraded the hardware here. Apple uh, make, give, gave us bigger sensors. One of them uh, even has an F1.5 aperture, the main one, which is like, huge um photography is great i've compared the photos i took with um the s21 ultra with the pros as well as the pixel 5 which apple does i mean google didn't make a bigger one last year did Um, you did you do macro mode testing at all that one apple i don't think apple has really talked about that much but for a lot of folks that like being able to go really big on like a small thing is going to be a big stories for for you yeah okay (laughs) So okay. I I was so excited to try out macro mode. I've tried it out on the OnePlus, I think, 9. I can't remember which exact uh, OnePlus model also added a macro mode. Uh, and it is hilarious to me that 
Okay, so first of all, Apple does this thing where it doesn't like offer like a, a macro mode that you switch on and off, right? It just, if you get, it wants to be intuitive. So once yeah, you get you're close, too close to your subject, yeah. right, when you get close, it will automatically switch over. So you will see actual on the UI, the thing changes in front of you. And then and then you, it looks like you're shifting cameras basically, right? But then like it, it is buggy right now and Apple has said it will issue a software update soon to fix this. But it constantly switches back and forth as like while you're getting close to your subject. So it's like doesn't know like what camera to use sort of. So there, that's one thing. And that's the thing that Apple said it will fix. I haven't seen the fix yet, so I can't tell you if it works really well. I will say when I'm up close in macro mode. Uh, it also switches focus on things because when you're in a very busy background and like, for example, for my testing, I did a lot of like leaves on trees or whatever. It would focus on the right leaf that I wanted and then midway through just switch focus to the one in behind it. I think this has <laughs> to do with the fact that I was getting too close to my intended subject, right? It's only for mm -hmm. up to two cm away, two centimeters, centimeters away. So once I started to get too close Wait, to my subject- Wait, you were getting closer than two centimeters yeah, I was, away? Yeah, I was all up in this bees business, to be honest. <laughs> it really was. Uh, but all that said, when I was using it, when I did manage to snap the pictures from macro mode, good lord, were they beautiful. It didn't look great on my phone because I think- their, uh, the HEIC format just didn't save in like mm. very nice colors. But then when I mm -hmm. exported and uploaded them to Instagram or, or to just my photos get, uh, app on the phone, whole, holy crap, y'all, I can see okay. hairs on okay. leaves. It's very pretty. It's, a, it's all we need to see. Like, imagine living in a world where you could see all the hairs. Ant-Man, <laughs> Ant-Man, I'll see you. I You can't hide yeah. from me, Paul Rudd. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Did you play with cinematic mode too? Yeah. Did you give that a shot? Dude, yep. so, so Valentina, I, you can shoot all the best videos of your cat from now on. With I would love uh -huh. to do that. Right. I'm I always looking for the next way to up, yes, to level to up, up my cat level. photos and videos. Yeah, yeah. Cinematic mode actually does look really great. It it does. It, when it, but but with a few caveats. One is that like. I tested this on our video producer, Brian O, oh, who's, you know, a beautiful subject and his adorable dog, Zen. And um, the iPhone 13 was and the 13 Pro, they were both very good at like identifying subjects in the scene. They were, the, the yellow boxes appeared, the white boxes appeared, and it will keep focus on the on the area that it thinks you should focus on. And I did the same thing that they did in the... Um, announcement video where like you turn your head and move your eye like gaze away from the camera and it just starts to shift to the background uh shift the focus to the background all of that works fine um with the with just the fact like just like the intensity of the effect can be very weird if you have it like set to max aperture um so like the highest setting, so like the biggest opening, so F1, whatever, uh, F2 actually. But but and and it's at that stage that like the you lose hairs on your like head or you lose like an ear or you lose like a, a nose to the blur. Like Apple is just like, why? Well, no, you don't need a nose. It's just whatever. You don't. And then, you don't. Yeah. Fine. It's it's lost in the blur in the background. So so there's that. So like, but we found that uh, adjusting the F stop, which you can do uh, on cinematic mode, will lessen that. It's still not that great. It still feels like, I think I saw one review say that it still feels like the early days of portrait mode photos where like phones still weren't very smart at knowing what's your head and what's like background. Um, but when it works, it looks really nice. The other thing I struggled with with cinematic mode is that sometimes it just can't focus on two things at once, even if they're on the same plane. Um, but this feels more like something Apple could fix and will fix uh, quickly enough. 
So yeah, no. Do I think cinematic mode alone is worth upgrading from the 12 to the 13? No. I, I personally don't think so. You can shoot great videos without it. Uh, and it's limited to 1080p, 30 FPS, FPS. which is going to be totally. a deal breaker for some people. Because mm-hmm. I do, at this point, I'm doing everything 4K60 damn, because damn. I want I you want, I want that like n- nice baby footage, you know? Yeah. And that would be the reason I would upgrade too, just to have like a better pro camera and to have like stuff like yeah. macro mode, other things, like other nice capabilities, mm-hmm. less so for cinematic mode because you're kind of like, you have to do a project. You want to have a project in mind to do cinematic mode. You're not going to do like yeah. everyday kids running around videos in cinematic mode. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I will say that using cinematic mode uh, made for some... I use iMovie to make some really silly videos uh, of uh-huh. Brian, his dog, and our friends as superheroes. Uh, <laughs> and it's freaking amazing because it somehow introduced this yeah professional quality to the video where like I really... <laughs> the trailer came out looking like I really did shoot a tra- trailer trailer video. Man. So it was I can't nice. wait to see what kids do with this. Like just a kid having a phone a that kid. has some really cool... Uh, sure. Uh, that has some really cool focus capabilities. Uh, there's that. So anything else you guys want to mention about the phones um, or the pros, Sterling? Because we got to get to the iPad Mini. Yeah, which I, I totally. Think is the, it's probably the most interesting device <laughs> Apple launched this year. So I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, no, I would say just like read our full reviews uh, or watch our full reviews. Uh, the the pro is coming out tomorrow. Um, Any sense of battery life improvements? Uh, because sure. I do. I was looking at a lot of reviews, and everyone was like, "Holy crap! This is like a major the leap forward for batteries." The pros are insane. The pros last okay. so long that I I can't even run a battery test because they'll like it'll take me too long to run the test. Like I need to use the phone, and like I can't have a phone just running a battery test for two days. <laughs> like no. So we're going to have to go uh, live with our reviews soon, but tell you that like in anecdotal testing, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll test update with like battery uh-huh. test results soon. But yes, the Pro Max lasts forever and ever, but it's also bigger and heavier and has a, you know, I, I that's not the phone for me, but if you want nope. like something. I don't know who the Pro Max is for. I, I still don't so know heavy. because I, I've talked, I've talked to a lot of folks and even like bigger, taller people yeah. with huge hands. The Pro Max still weighs half a pound. It's too I heavy. It's too heavy. Did that? Did, what, the, you, did the thirteen like gain any weight from the from the twelve? Did. Is it a little bit heavier? Mm. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my, the, my fiance has the twelve Pro Max, and yeah. he just loves it because he likes that to have that gigantic screen. You know what I mean? And the battery life that comes along with like the yeah. largest phone that you can you, get. So. You know what's a good alternative though? Maybe instead of a bigger iPhone, how about a smaller iPad? <laughs> right. <laughs> I want a yes. segue. segue. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yay. So yeah, the iPad mini. I mean, this is the most significant update to the iPad mini we've seen in a very long time. Um, You could say since it came out, Mm -hmm. if you really wanted to get a little spicy, but (laughs) certainly since since the um, 2019 version came out, that's for sure. So that the 2019 version was kind of just like internal updates with the processor and stuff like that. But this is a whole new redesign, kind of looks like a mini iPad Air. You know, yeah, it has yeah. the what Apple is calling an all screen design, which, you know, is different is a different name than the edge to edge screens on the pros. Um, but essentially, it's the same sort of design where you have this kind of black bezel, you know, curving all the way around the screen and flat edges. So and, and because of that, there's no physical home button, obviously, but there is um, one of those power buttons that the air has with uh, touch ID on it. So you have that 
form of logging in that biometric um, authentication. Um, and then some, you know, volume rockers and such. Uh, but you don't have a headphone jack on this one. And I bring that up because the huh. 2019 Mini did have a headphone jack. So that is, I think, probably a small difference to most people. Yeah. But if you are considering updating from the 2019 Mini, that's something that you're losing. So just be the, aware This of is that. me throwing my hands up the ear, just cursing Apple. Like, of course, you create this yeah. perfect little beautiful device and ruin it <laughs> by kicking, t- taking away the three and a half millimeter jack. And um, I'm sure there will still be people who are angry about that. But I think a lot of us, especially us who like kind of live our lives in this like tech world, kind of saw that coming, you know. Um, but it is something that you will lose if you're updating from the 2019 Mini, which is kind of a hard decision to make i think but we'll get into that um so yeah a totally updated design um it has you know the a15 bionic chip which makes it super fast um very zippy really great to you know use as my daily driver over the past like week ish you know um just when i'm sitting on the couch or you know kind of using it for everything that i was using my iphone for for the majority of the time that i've been using it um and then it also has we can't forget USB-C charging, which is another really great update. <laughs> finally, um, 5G support, so you can kind, of, you could technically kind of use this as a phone no. if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but Listen, the option the, is the there. The Samsung Note people are out there, and like they're they basically they're almost there. They're they almost are. there. Exactly. So I mean, yeah. do what you want. Go off. You can do that. Um, and also, they have the iPad Mini has improved cameras. So there's a 12 megapixel rear camera and then a 12 megapixel front facing camera. And that front facing camera has uh, Apple Center Stage feature. So when you're you know FaceTiming with someone, the camera kind of pans and zooms to track you and try to keep your face in the center of the frame. Um, and that was really cool. That's kind of one of my favorite newish features that Apple has um just because it makes FaceTime calls much better I think um for someone like me specifically who is usually multitasking when I'm on a FaceTime call because I'm usually FaceTiming with either a friend or like my mom or my dad or someone and I'm usually like in my kitchen or like going around my apartment like trying to clean stuff up or something and uh I'm usually moving all around the frame and sometimes out of frame. So, yeah, it's cool to like kind of have it do that, you know, automatically without you having to pick up pick up the actual, you know, tablet and move it around. Um and it works with the second generation Apple Pencil, which also for me, I am someone who really likes, you know, digital doodling and note taking and stuff like that. So, it was really great to kind of use the iPad Mini as a kind of digital notebook. Um and I think it really excels at that particularly because of its size. Yeah. How does like how does it feel to hold? Does it feel more comfortable basically than having I don't know if you've tried out the old iPad Air? I would say th- they didn't upgrade the iPad Air. So, mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty bad purchase right now given the power and given the capabilities that's in the iPad Mini. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this seems like they just decided to shrink the air and assume maybe a lot of people would jump on that. I'm really hyped about it just because of that. But could you like hold this thing for a while on the couch and, yeah. and stuff? Yeah, I was actually surprised. I was able to kind of type with it. Actually, I have it right here. I can kind of mm-hmm. hold it up for you. Yay. So I've, I've actually been able to kind of type like this oh. way more easily than I thought. I was mm. going to be able and, to do. And for the listener, um, like this means like you're holding it with two hands vertically. Yes. Like a phone, like portrait As phone. if you yeah. were holding an iPhone or whatever phone. So yeah, with your thumbs on the center of the screen, essentially. So 
I was surprised by how easily I just kind of fell into doing that and treating it almost like a really big iPhone. Um, mm-hmm. So it is really nice to hold. And it is, I mean, I own an 11 inch iPad Pro from 2020. So not the most recent mm. one, um, but the time before the model before that. And it's compared to that, it is so much easier to just kind of <laughs> tote around my apartment. I can literally have like a YouTube video on and just kind of go around doing my errands, cleaning things up. Um, and yeah, I was, it really became this, probably the easiest iPad to take with me wherever I was going, whether it was outside my apartment or inside the apartment, it could, it was like my phone. It just, yeah, it became yeah. a larger phone that came with me with my phone. <laughs> if that I'm makes so, sense. <laughs> I'm so tempted because it's sort of like, I've, I've long dreamed of having like a little digital portfolio, you know, something bigger than my phone, but something that's not a laptop, right? If I take yes. my daughter to the park and she's out there playing and I just want to like, type an email or something quickly, um, I can imagine getting this, uh, maybe eventually Logitech or somebody else will make like a keyboard case. So you can have like a nice little keyboard next to it. Apple isn't making one, which mm-hmm. I think is very, very telling. Um, I would love to see a cute like fold out Apple keyboard on this thing. Um, but I feel like that might be so a little bit too, I feel like that might mm-hmm. be a little bit too small. Like I actually sure, think it, sure, it sure. might be good that Apple's not making a keyboard yeah, case for this yeah. thing. I'm sure somebody else will eventually, but mm-hmm. since it does have Bluetooth, you know, you could hook up, you could get one of Apple's like, you know, little smart folio cases um, or just another case that allows you to mm-hmm. prop the mini up in front of you and then use like a regular Bluetooth keyboard, something compact, obviously, if mm-hmm. you want to take it with you. I think that might be the better option just for typing purely because of the ergonomics of it, you know? Yep, 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 for sure. Uh, I'm really excited about this thing. Anything else you want to mention? Valentina about it like it it starts at 499 the yes. one I kind of want would be the 256 gigabyte wi-fi mm-hmm. model so that's 650 it's and 650. then you're like then you're getting up there and if you want the cellular yeah. then it's like more and more then that's a yeah, lot it gets very it's expensive very fast and that's kind of the disappointing part about the ipad mini I think number one that it starts off a hundred dollars more expensive than the previous ipad mini um so that right there kind of makes the decision to upgrade if you have an older ipad mini a little bit more of a toss-up because are you willing to spend that extra hundred dollars just to get 64 gigabytes of storage which is another kind of con in my opinion just because if you're going to use the ipad mini like you said dev kind of as like a digital portfolio of sorts or something where you're going to keep kind of your digital life in terms of notes, documents, uh, even photos and videos sometimes, you know, like all of those things eat up space. And, you know, iPad OS is only going to take up, you know, more and more space as it becomes yeah. more robust. You're going to so, want games on this thing. You're going to want things that are big. Yeah, exactly. So the 64 gigabytes might get eaten up very quickly. Now, you know, bumping it up to 256, I kind of feel like that's the better option if you're going to go the digital notebook route. Um, or you could, you know, buy a USB-C capable external drive to take with you. But that's another thing. That's too much that trouble. To, it's too much no. trouble. So most people, if they are, I think most people who are considering the iPad mini now know exactly what they want to do with it. So I think they are probably going to be more willing to pay for the extra storage because they already have this kind of use case in mind. Um, And anybody I know that has loved the iPad mini in the past has owned them, like loves this size. You know, like that's one of the points I made in this review is that it really Mm -hmm. is all about this specific size of tablet um, that uh, Apple has kind of carved out this niche, this niche where people just Mm -hmm. love it. They really have like a special use cases (laughs) for it. Um, They love the portability of it. And the power in this one with the A15 Bionic processor is great. So it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great small tablet. And if you know that that kind of 
fills a hole in your life. There's a very specific <laughs> 8.3 inch hole in your life, you know. I bet me shape hole. I, yeah. I, I saw this thing. I was like, mm, that's very, that's very cute. It's tempting. That's very, like, yes. I, I kind of want it. And just, just to like, let's backtrack to the history of like, how did we get to the iPad mini? First of all, in like 2012, 2013, it was because there were a bunch of like seven inch Android tablets and everyone's like, the iPad's so hot, let's make it smaller. And Samsung and a bunch of companies, I think it was Asus actually, like Asus had the ZenPad or one of those like out there for a while. It was like 200 bucks and they were really building up market share. And I think Apple was like, oh no, small tablets are in, we got to do something. So the original iPad mini, I think was a really cool thing back in 2012, but with the advent of the iPad Air and everything of the last few years, like it seemed like it didn't really have a place in the like iPad landscape. Whereas now the mini is just like, yeah, it's a very specific thing. If you want a bigger screen, you could get the Air. It is the smaller. best yeah. lap tablet at its size. I is my sure. major to say, yeah. right? Like you, what else you yeah, got? There's... Kindle H. No. Well, I mean, there, there. It, it really doesn't have much competition in terms right. of its right. size in like right. a traditional tablet, right? Um, but I mean, it does have, I guess, some competitions with e-readers, but that's a very different type of a device, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, totally different screen, totally different type of performance. Right. Um, so that I think mm-hmm. that will appeal to another very specific so, type of user. So speaking of the different screen, right? Can you tell me a little bit about the iPad mini screen? Because I, I our video producer, Julio, it's curious. Like, it, is it, wasn't there something like a complaint about the screen? <laughs> the complaint about the iPad mini screen? So the iPad mini screen on this one is mm-hmm. a liquid retina display, 8.3 okay. inch liquid oh. retina display. The so 2019 version was a 7.9 inch retina display. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my understanding, the liquid kind of, means that it's just like feels like it's the all screen design like that's kind of what it's referring to um versus the old style of design that you know that the old ipad mini Mm -hmm. had so it's a perfectly fine screen but it's nothing like the 120 hertz (laughs) screens that you're gonna get (laughs) on ipad pros or like even the new iphones or anything it's just a very suitable screen don't Um, don't put it next to your ipad pro i've seen some (laughs) i've seen some reviews where somebody was like taking a photo of like the ipad pro and the mini above it and the mini is like uh, you see all the like blocky lcd backlighting and the colors aren't as good i was like yeah because you're comparing it to one of the best screens that you can buy on the market right now so don't do that to yourself yeah how is the audio because we got a question from the chat room from zach yefau uh how, how is the audio speaker is it good enough to just like listen to without headphones if you're watching a tv show or something yeah, I definitely think it's perfectly fine to listen to if you're watching Netflix or YouTube. Like, that's mainly how I was using it um, for a lot of the time, like, in, in when I was doing the review. Um, I will say that it was, I feel like the audio kind of skewed a little bit lower. Um, so it didn't, yeah. it wasn't as loud maybe as I was expecting. But then again, I don't really know what I was expecting. <laughs> um, but it's it's perfectly fine. Like, if you are wanting, if you want to watch Netflix or something. Um, and yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it. But I mean, it you are able to connect uh, wireless headphones, obviously, to it. So mm-hmm. um, it just depends on your preference in that in that case. So um, I feel like that that's the big thing. We we have to wrap at some point because I feel like we could talk about all this stuff forever and want to be respectful of your time, Valentina, uh, Sherlyn, or Valentina. Like, do you guys have any thoughts about all these products overall, or like iPad, the new iPad OS, the new iOS, anything? Just make iPad Mini fold. That's uh, that's the discourse I've How been seeing you. all over. Yeah, but there you go. That's my. I point. think that's, I think that's kind of like what Apple's looking at too. They're like, oh, you like this form factor, huh? How much do you like this form factor? Would you like if you could fold it into your pocket, huh? Huh? 
Yeah. I, I will just bring up one thing about iPad OS 15 along with the iPad mini was with my experience with the Apple Pencil. So one of those new features in iPad OS 15 is that quick notes feature, um, which, you know, I don't use Apple Notes as my main note taking kind of system. I mostly use Evernote, but this was super cool that you can just like kind of swipe up from the bottom right hand corner of the screen, either with your finger or with the Apple Pencil, and it'll bring up this little new note and you can just kind of scribble something in it um, and it'll save it right into your Apple notes. And like, I just found that super convenient um, and a really great feature that like, I feel like slowly over the years, Apple has been making its notes app way more convenient and kind of, it it can compete more so with like a lot of the other note taking apps out there, particularly the ones that have, you know, like stylus support. Uh, So yeah, that was, that was a nice feature for me to use because I like taking notes with the Apple Pencil and also like doodling things out. Um, so yeah, and the Apple Pencil, second generation Apple Pencil on the iPad mini, I think is just as good as it is on any other iPad. You just have a smaller space to work with. So does it, does it magnetically attach to the side of the screen? It does. It does. Okay. And it fits literally like so perfectly on, it's almost the exact same, it's adorable. you know, okay. it's adorable. Like it's an adorable it. little package, you know? Love it. Love it overall. Let's, uh, you know, we will have a lot more to say about Apple eventually. But while we have you, Valentina, and while you have that thing on your wrist, just want to quickly ask, like, how is the Fitbit Charge 5 working for you? It's been working fine. I think if the, let's see if the screen will light up for me. There it goes. Yeah. It's a pretty That's nice really screen, nice. right? It's a nice uh-huh. screen. Um, The screen is probably the best like physical, like hardware thing about it. Um, because compared to the charge four, charge four had like a grayscale OLED display. This is a full color display. Um, so that kind of makes the charge five feel more in line with all of the smartwatches that Fitbit has, even though it's not a smartwatch, this is like their main, their main like expensive band, you know, cause people still go for that sort of style. Um, so it, it definitely elevates the charge five in comparison to the charge four. So far it's been a, decent experience using the charge five it's pretty similar to the charge four there's not a whole ton of new features um there are a couple of new things i think um like fitbit brought down the uh or they're going to bring down the ecg uh measurement feature from some of the smartwatches. they're also mm-hmm. bringing down the eda measurements and like stress stress measurement um feature from some of the smartwatches. Um, and yeah, so I've been, you know, just working out with it over the past week ish. Um, and so far I haven't run into a lot of huge hiccups or anything, but you know, this is, this is $180. The charge five is yeah. $180, $30 more than the charge four. So that is a pretty significant, uh, price bump. So yeah, you'll just have to, uh, I'll have to formulate all my thoughts and I'll put it in the review <laughs> coming soon to see like if you, if it's really worth the update, the upgrade from the charge four, but so far it's a perfectly suitable mm-hmm. fitness tracker. I, I think that screen is kind of the big thing because I remember seeing pictures of the Charge 4. I was like, this grayscale screen is making me sad. You know, Aww, we're living yeah. in a world where like we have some really nice, you know, screens all over that can fit on wrist devices. That mm-hmm. seems like a big update for a lot of folks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's it's great to have it on this band kind of style because I feel like with smartwatches kind of taking things over, you know, taking over the wearable space over the past couple of years, that bands kind of get are just like an afterthought. But there are people who still want that style, you know, the people who find that just more comfortable. It's a lower profile than this. I will say the Charge 5 is also just is a more lower it's a lower profile than the charge four it's got these kind of curved edges and it's a little bit smaller like slimmer and stuff so it makes it easier to wear for sure than the charge four um so yeah uh, shillin it hasn't been as bad to wear it to sleep at night i will say that <laughs> that's good Shillin has I, nightmares no, about I the can't. charge four as yeah. i recall well yeah. nightmares about not the 
fresh. It's about all all wearables that I had to test for sleep, but I do it for my yeah. job anyway because I love you guys. To know I mean, I is there really a wearable that's comfortable to wear to bed? Never. I don't no, not for think me. there. So. There was like, yeah. there was back in the day with my beloved uh, Jawbone up the Jawbone the, the Jawbone. Yeah. Every, it was every I, that time. yeah. Kids okay. these days, these TikTok kids don't know anything about the Jawbone app. Okay? I know, I know. They're just like, what's that? <laughs> One last note on the Charge 5. I just want to point out that $180, and I appreciate that a good band It's like, a you know, some people don't want smartwatches. But $180 for like about $20 more, you get the Watch Series 3, the Apple Watch Series 3. Yes. So that's a bad... You could do that. Uh, I mean, that's a shit... Yeah, that's, a, that's not the that's best a, watch anymore. You could do that. Yeah, yeah like, I probably wor- wouldn't it, recommend that. Worse for fitness... Uh, it just has a bigger screen. That's like the main benefit. So AKA, right? yeah, Apple should really just get rid of it already. But yes. I do still think that like the Charge 5 is quite expensive for what it is. A lot it of the is. bands that I know <laughs> are 150 and I'm sure there's better, like there's also cheaper options from like Garmin and, and other like fitness brands out there. Yeah, sure. yeah, there are. And I mean, it's it's just going to come down to if all the new features and the new design really mean that much to you. And also mm. I will say that at least a couple of the features that Fitbit kind of promoted with the charge five are coming soon yeah. and they're still uh. coming soon so like i haven't been able to test out a couple of them because i can't you know yeah so yeah. that's another thing that i think is a bit of a bummer that's a right. uh, yeah i hate that trend just because i guess yep. it's so hard to get updates out during the pandemic and everything well valentina i'm looking forward to reading the full fitbit charge five review that's gonna be coming soon uh, thank you for chatting with us. Where can we find your work on the internet these days? Yes, at Valentina Lucia and also Engadget Deals specifically <laughs> at Engadget Deals for all of the deals. Follow Please. both, but follow Valentina's Twitter account because yes. surely she she does more than just she, deals. Uh, yes. Looking in your background, Valentina, like yes. all the boxes, like I feel that pain. That is same. That all is the boxes, right and I will yeah. say they're not all my boxes. I do live with a fiance, so they are some <laughs> of his boxes as well. But I I have to take credit for some of them. Unfortunately, so many boxes. Thank you, Valentina. Thanks so much, guys. All right, folks. In other news, there's actually something breaking that's happening uh, as we are recording this. The European Commission has proposed basically a requirement that all phone manufacturers use USB-C charging. Um, Hooray! Hooray! If this comes through. they're aiming to like uh, reduce e-waste and solve con- you know, solve a big problem for consumers because it's really inconvenient to have all these different things out there. Um, I this is a great idea. And I think we've mm-hmm. even mentioned something like this for a while. I've been waiting for the iPhone to go USB-C. Jeez, we've seen yeah. some of the iPads are now, so kind of Apple is kind of slowly getting there. What do you think about this, Sherlyn, as our like mobile goddess right now? Oh my god! First of all, put that on my tombstone. Wow. Mobile oh goddess. Oh my god! I shouldn't even. Okay. I shouldn't even just like throw these titles out there because that's all Sherlyn's going to focus on. <laughs> you can call me Mobile Chonkster. Um, mobile I, chonk. I, <laughs> I love this. I have USB C on everything now. My laptops, my phones, MacBook, and and Windows PCs both use USB C power. Like. It's insane that I still have to keep this one different device everywhere, a different cable everywhere I go just for the iPhones. So I I, mm-hmm, I think the mm-hmm. EU being the place to start for this is actually kind of also, I guess, expected because they've also been ahead with GDPR and all that stuff. So I don't know. I feel like this, yeah. like our article says, uh, may signal the end of lightning. And and you know what? I, good, please, good please. Good riddance. Listen, listen, folks. I, I think any any like hardcore iPhone user knows the fastest way to charge your phone 
is you got to get the USB-C power adapter and you have to get the USB-C cable yep. to Lightning because it turns out USB-C is a far better power delivery platform. Uh, yeah, let I, let Lightning die. I actually yes. remember um, oh. when when Apple started moving towards Lightning, when was that? It was like 2013, 2014 even. But when that was happening and away from like the old wide connector, which was just a pain, those things sucked. Um I was on like CNBC or something. I think it was on with like Lance Ulanov, who was head of PC Mag at that point. We had this debate about it. Um, I do remember like him and a lot of other people were like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Apple has its own thing. Let them introduce lightning. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> USB-C exists. USB-C yes. is a, so good. it's a common standard and um, it's going to be easier for people to develop accessories and stuff for it rather than having this like really convoluted made for iPhone program where yep. people have to license lightning connections. Uh, none of that. The USB-C I, was it, same size, better power, but yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I just think that even when, and I think it's an when, not an if, I think when Apple makes the switch to USB-C uh, over Lightning, it will still do something that makes its version of USB-C a little different from the rest for some sure, reason. Sure. Because they it still to. wants to, yes, it still wants to make that proprietary thing happen. Uh, and also a good point that was brought up in our chat um, by, I believe, uh, Jonathan Anderson, not all mm -hmm. USB-Cs are equal. This is true. There's USB-3, yes. USB-4, yes. etc. So even then, there's some way to kind of differentiate between USBs. But at the very least, have them mm -hmm. be backward compatible. It's the same plug. It's the yeah, same and plug. it's the same cable. That's One it. cable will work. It's fine. One cable. It's not It's not perfect, as, as you're pointing out, especially for like laptops, because some laptops, like right now, I've been testing the XPS 15. That ships with like a 65-watt USB-C charger. If I plug in the MacBook Air's 30-watt charger, it still charges, but it complains. It's like, hey, this not enough power. And that stuff is not super consumer-friendly. Um, but hey, that's, that's annoying. Uh, I think even more annoying is like the Thunderbolt stuff, because it's like... It's USB-C, plus it's Thunderbolt on top of that, but it's the same connector, but not all USB-C is Thunderbolt, but all Thunderbolt is USB-C. Um, it's all uh, these big companies, like Intel's this, ruining that, yeah. Apple's ruining that, what's up? Yep, I, sorry, the simple fact that I have one brick, <laughs> but uh -huh. like two USB cables, one with USB-C in and lightning out, and then one with USB-C in, C out, like, just, what? Like, come on! What? Like, wh why do I have to have this extra what? one? I just need. I don't want to pick anyway. Just, this just is my one. frustrations. Yeah. <laughs> I right now I have one of my favorite like portable laptop chargers. I think it's from Rav Power, uh, but it has like a couple USB A ports and several USB Cs, and it is it does like up to ninety watts of power, so like it can charge pretty much anything. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm, it could be a mm -hmm. lot simpler if everything was USB C. And I think because the iPads are getting there, um, we're going to see on the phones eventually. Yes, they just make our lives easier. Ish. Yes. Anyway, yes. it was it was serious hardware season this week. It was it, we're 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 no longer calling it Techtober, you guys. We're calling it Tech Fall. <laughs> so fall. catchy. Uh, <laughs> I'll come up with something. Okay, we'll we'll figure something. it out. Um, yeah. but yeah, in addition to it being iPhone Reviews Week and Microsoft Surface Event Week, there was a whole bunch of other stuff. There was a new Kindle Paperwhite announced. Uh, sure. With some big updates, like some among the biggest updates uh, to Kindle Paperwhite's in a while, um, mm -hmm. and then we know there's a Nintendo event later today, as of this recording. Um, don't know what we'll see. I think it's more of a games show because it's more a Nintendo games. Direct. More games. Yeah. 
But we, we think... are getting close to the Switch OLED launch, so yeah. there's going to be more stuff coming out of that for sure eventually. Yes, yes. And while we hate giving this company any airtime whatsoever, it is worth noting that Facebook has got a new portable portal smart display. Portal. Uh, a, portable like two... portal. Yeah, yeah, portable portal. Porta-portal. So it's called a portal bow. bow. No. Bow. <laughs> bow Bow's not a name. Portal. No, portal bull. You know, like portable, but portable, it does okay, not work. Okay. It does not work. Anyway. It's called the Portal Go. <laughs> it's the called portal the Portal Go. go. It's $199. Like a Surface Go. It, $200. Yeah. It, it's funny that this is, uh, they're still on this. Apparently, these devices have been successful, even though like nobody should trust Facebook with uh, with a video chat or anything. It is funny that the center stage stuff from Apple is basically the same thing, where it uses software to like focus you uh, and follow you during yeah. a video call or something. So yeah. Everyone's doing it. Um, I mean, Google does it too yeah. on the on the on its Nest Hub devices too. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, uh, but we we should mention, and we didn't get to talk about this last week, but the Wall Street Journal has had a really good selection of uh, stories called the Facebook Files that has a lot of inside info. And if um, you hear us complaining about Facebook, or if you hear me, I was on This Week in Tech this past weekend. Um, I feel like I went into full rant mode mm-hmm. against Facebook because of some of these things. But this company is terrible. This company stinks. And uh, um. they keep lying to us about what they do. So among these stories, right, they, they revealed that Facebook has very different rules about how it treats celebrities and elite users. They revealed that Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for many teen girls. Like it is directly contributing to um, bullying and also suicide rates. Um, They know they try to like um, fix the algorithm, I believe at some point to like make it less contentious. And then they ended up making the algorithm worse and meaner when all of a sudden story, you had to be negative in your stories to get like better lift in Facebook. Um, People try to flag drug cartels and human traffickers like working within the platform and the company was like uh, what do you want us to do about it it, it ah everything so annoying frustrating i everything I, they're doing yeah i know personally in my real world social circles i know at least 3 or 4 people that work for facebook and are all mm-hmm, dying mm-hmm. to get Same. out they just hate Same. it it is yep. insane it the culture there seems toxic as hell so mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. So we do hate Facebook for that for these reasons. It is co- toxic as shit, doing all mm-hmm. the wrong things. But they made a new hardware thing, so I'm just so, saying. So we to, well, that's the thing. So when we talked about the the glasses, right? The Ray Ban, uh, uh, the stories. stories yeah. It's like you cannot separate the hardware that Facebook is producing. And I hey, I like the Oculus Quest quite a bit too. Uh, but you can't separate this hardware from what Facebook is doing as a company. And in some ways, it seems like that's what the company wants to do. Like, there's a story this week now um, at the New York Times about Facebook saying, like, we're we're going to just send more pro-Facebook stories into the newsfeed. That's going to solve our problem. You know, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. instead of, like, addressing the issues uh, that a lot of reporters have brought up using CrowdTangle data, CrowdTangle's a company they own, they split up the comp like split up the people working on CrowdTangle so it would be less useful as a, as a service. Um just just everything, folks. Like I, I don't know. This is why I'm worried about Facebook smart glasses. These dump. things are still sitting here. Right. It's a toxic dump. And also they build things and they kind of hurt society in a way and they don't care to fix it. Like that is the thing that really gets me. If they built a huge social network and they're like, oh this got bigger than we assumed. Like I we we could not have foreseen 
that things would get here and actively work to fix it, I feel like I would feel a lot better about what Facebook is doing, but that generally what they're doing is being defensive and ignoring it. And there was news yesterday too about Facebook changing up their CTO. Uh, Andrew Bosworth is the new CTO or will be the new CTO of Facebook um, starting next year, I believe. And that is a clear sign. That is the guy behind Oculus. That is the guy behind the glasses. Actually, like every hardware thing Facebook has done, he is a part of. Like he is the big product guy. So it almost seems like the future of Facebook is, uh, yeah, we're a metaverse company. We're, we're going to look over here, you know, at all this hardware and cool glasses and VR and that flaming pile of trash behind us, the social network. We're just going to walk away from that. We're just going to like not even deal with it. I want to say, so in our chat, there are two things I want to point out. One is uh, mm-hmm. Sir Holmes uh, says, hashtag delete Facebook. I have done that. I, I mean, I got off of Facebook ages ago. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Toxic as hell. But Mark mm-hmm. Dell in our chat, who's one of our regular audience members too, says, would all these Facebook things make you consider moving away from Instagram? And honestly, yeah, I want to. It's hard. We've talked about this before where it's really hard to quit Facebook's two biggest apps, in my opinion, Instagram and WhatsApp. Or WhatsApp. WhatsApp yep. is the hardest one because it keeps me connected to my family and I can't get yep. my parents to go to another app. They just won't. They just can't. They just don't know how to do it because their friends are all there too on WhatsApp. So it's it's reach around the world that Facebook has is, is huge. Um, so no, as much as I want to quit things like and What's that, that that won't solve That's it. So that won't solve it. Like it won't. Yeah. This is the thing. It's like it's like the climate crisis, right? You can quit Facebook. You can protest it and do everything, and everybody should speak up about it. But mm-hmm. quitting it, just like making sure you recycle and never produce any trash, will not fix the bigger problem. The bigger problem is this is a company that built a. Uh, monstrosity that they didn't like, know what to yeah. deal with. Like if yeah. we all on mass completely 100% all quit Facebook, sure, I'm sure that's an impact to them, but if we that's not going to happen. That's not feasible. The, the more the more uh, likely thing that will happen is some big organization or regulation or authority is going to have to enforce something so or, or investigate something. And, and it's thankfully the journal is at least publishing investigative stories about the company. So that's a step in the it's right great. direction. Yeah. There's more reporting around it. Um, people, I know people within Facebook are really frustrated too. And the company's facing more internal dissent. So, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming. Hey, on. speaking of a lot um, of stuff, yeah. <laughs> what are you working on? DaVinci? What am I working on? So much. Um, I have a review of the Dell's new XPS 15 coming up soon. It will likely publish today uh, when we are recording this. So the big difference is it's the same designs last year, which was a big redesign. Uh, but this one has an OLED screen. And the OLED screen is spectacular. I love a good screen. Uh, it's OLED. Yes. Um, 3.5K has Dolby Vision. It looks incredible. So it's not fully 4K. But still looks really good. Like I played a bunch of like trailers and movies, uh, some content you'll see in our review from the movie Gemini Man, which everybody oh. hates, but I think is a really cool tech demo because okay. there are clips out there of it in 4K, 60 FPS, which with HDR and looking at it is just kind of unreal. Like go look at it on your phone or your computers, folks. Look at it. It's on YouTube. Like there's some chase sequences and stuff. It looks wild uh not as good as it does in the theater or as it did in the theater but it still looks cool um i'm really digging the xps 15 i will eventually be checking out the new sonos um beam soundbar as well that is the one with uh, dolby atmos integration uh that that should be getting here today i hope i hope it gets here today because i have to work on this review 
Fingers crossed. So I'm going to be looking at that. I'm also going to be getting in the Sonos Arc to play with and just to really compare. Does this like, is there a big difference when it comes to Atmos and things like that? So we will see how all that goes. Sherlyn, what are you not working on? How about that? Uh, I'm not working on me. I'm not working on, you know, I talked yeah. to my therapist and he was like, why is your yeah. priority your work? I don't know, girl. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am working on finishing up the iPhone Pro review, which will be up by the time this <laughs> podcast episode is on all the sound channels. Um, and then we have, a, like I said, tech fall, tech to- tech Um mm-hmm. And basically, we've got more events coming up, right? Next week, we've got Amazon, I believe, on Wednesday or Tuesday. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I probably don't have to work as hard on that as I have on Apple, Google, and Samsung. But speaking mm-hmm. of Google, there's a Search On event next week as well. We will be covering stop. that. Everybody stop. I know. Y'all, <laughs> companies, listen. Apple, there's rumors that Apple still has another event coming up, which is very true. Mm-hmm. But it's probably going to happen. Because they get update MacBooks. those MacBooks, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then all the devices that got announced, uh, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Apple's watch that we still haven't seen, uh, are going to be coming in at some point. So we're going to continue reviewing those. Uh, I just, I'm just trying to catch a break at some point and, and maybe sleep a little bit someday, uh, <laughs> and take care of uh-huh. me. Uh, take care so, of you, so please. That, yeah. <laughs> the gadgets can wait. Um, yes. chat room, tell, tell Sherlyn to take care of herself, please. Never, never. It's too, it's too crazy. <laughs> Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What do you what do you got this week? I got nothing this week, so I went back into my archive and <laughs> <laughs> um, for for a period of time there, when I was able to take a break, I actually found. I think people on this podcast know in the past that I um, don't really like animated shows, but I've like I said discovered the beauty of cartoons a little bit, uh, and it's not just mm-hmm. the adult animated things like Harley Quinn that I mentioned earlier too. It's also just all these Disney movies that I started watching Moana. Uh, that's self care. That is like you taking care of yourself. So just watching. It's, yeah, it's yeah. It's, uh, I saw Frozen for the first time and Frozen too. Oh, so anyway, yeah. my recommendation though is one of the movies I love the most uh, that I watched uh, in the last ever since I got Disney Plus, which was like almost a year ago now. Um, Monsters Inc. was a really good movie, but the reason I love Monsters Inc. was because of the baby girl. She, boo, she's so cute. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted more from that world. I just was like, oh my gosh, I need these cute baby sounds. And then I realized that they have extra content. And Disney Plus has a series called Monsters at Work. It's just now a kid's you're just show. watching kids shows. A full-on kids, kids show. TV. Yeah, but I love it. I would just play it on in the background. It soothes me. It puts me to sleep yeah, very yeah. nicely. It's very. It's got this nice like, message of being a, a team mm-hmm. and, and you know caring for the underdogs. There's something really it. soothing about yeah. kids shows i don't know if it's just like the hell of parenting you know and dealing with like an, a real life yeah. little boo yeah. um but watching a good kids show with my daughter um like bluey yeah. is, is a good one i can i'll give you some kids shows for self-soothing how about that and that is bluey <laughs> which is a really chill show and really cool and love the characters okay, but also okay. we just my my chill animated thing is like just go back and watch like st- a lot of like studio uh ghibli, ghibli. Movies. oh ghibli yeah okay. yeah yeah, um, yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. like uh, Kiki's delivery service is yeah so chill. It's I do so... enjoy the I do enjoy the Pixar mm-hmm. stuff a lot. So Monsters at Work on Disney Plus is my recommendation mm-hmm. this week. If you want that sort of soft, warm wrapping around your heart, it's really <laughs> nice. About, really how nice. about you, Dev? I think I wonder. There's a lot to read into you about you regressing, <laughs> basically, right now. <laughs> for Don't self-care. read into it. 
but I'll, <laughs> I'll save that for another time. I want to shout out Star Wars Visions, which is a new um, animated, and I don't know if you're going to be into this, Roland, but it's yeah. a new animated show um, on Disney+. Plus. It is sort of like, um, if you remember what the Animatrix did with the Matrix, like, they were side stories by major anime studios at the time. Um, I, I love the anime matrix. I love the animatrix. I also remember at that point being like, damn, it is really funny to see this come full circle because I spent most of the nineties being in this weird subculture that very few people knew about. Like there was anime, there were anime shows on TV. There was actually Saturday anime on sci-fi channel, but it was still, yeah. I mean, yeah. And you guys get it all. But in America, it was like still a very new up and coming thing. So I had the only place I could really talk about anime was like on the Internet with like random people from um, my part of the world, probably from your part of the world. But no, across like the the US and Canada, too, like True. we all kind of banded together because it was this little subculture that wasn't really huge. Then the Matrix happened and then we were like, oh, this is just Ghost in the Shell. This is every Hong Kong action movie. And then, like, those cultures, those, like, genres basically started to become mainstream. So the Animatrix was this great, like, coming full circle thing of anime looking at the Matrix, which itself was influenced by anime. Um, So the same is true for Star Wars Visions because, uh, hey, guess what? Uh, George Lucas was heavily inspired by Kurosawa films for the original trilogy. Um like beat for beat like the hidden fortress is is star wars so seeing anime studios including big ones like uh, production ig and studio trigger um kind of in the star wars universe i think is completely wild to me um i've only seen a couple episodes so far but they're all like 15 20 minute uh vignettes of star wars stories that people have the force there are lightsabers and stuff and like the basics of star wars are there but they're usually it's like their own worlds. Um, so it's like the first one is set in like almost like a feudal looking Japan because it's set like after the feudal Jedi Empire, which is something that's supposed to take place long before the film. But it's very like it looks like a samurai movie. You know, it looks like very specifically it's about a Ronin going in and saving this village because that's what you do in every samurai movie or Western. It looks so cool. The animation's fantastic. And I think it's just a great use of the Star Wars world. Like, I think Star Wars is best when you're playing around with it and not when you're trying to figure out, like, who is whose granddaughter or something. Like, I I don't care about that. I care about, like, the ideas in this world. So check out Star Wars Visions. It is definitely worth, um, it's worth a watch. And I think it's a better, like, side story show than What If, which is the other one that's happening with the the MCU. Some of those have been good and some of those have been... Hit or miss. I, yeah. I hate the animation. Yep, I hate same. I hate I the like way the it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Panther one was good. The Black Panther okay. like Star Lord one was good. Beyond that, not so much. So anyway, check out Star Wars Visions. It is now on Disney Plus, and uh, all the episodes are live, so you can binge it whenever you want. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me recommendations for the cuddliest of kids' cartoons, I'm at Sherlin Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com. 
leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com empowering innovation. Oh my god, first of all, put that on my tombstone, mobile goddess. Okay. <laughs>